You're listening to Mental Work. I'm your host, Bronwyn, an early career psychologist based in Australia. And this is the podcast taking a closer look at the challenges faced by early career mental health professionals so they don't have to go it alone. Picture this, listener. You have just decided to become a mental health professional. You are bright-eyed. You are excited. You go onto the internet and look up the course of your dreams. Then you click on the tuition tab and it all comes crumbling down because what the tuition fees tab shows you is that your course will cost $35,000 over two years. And then you realize that, oh, okay, there's supervision that I need to pay for as well. And that costs about $200 a session. I need 80 hours of that. So that's about 16,000. Then I need to pay for 30 hours of professional development. That might cost $500 a day. And that's a lot. And then I have to pay for this exam, laptop, clothes, transport, assessment instruments, therapy resources. And then you take a step back and you cry. And you're just like, that's a lot of money. That, dear listener, is what we're talking about today. How to get through your training as a mental health professional when you ain't got wads of cash just laying about. This is a common dilemma. I think everybody faces this who is training as a mental health professional uh, because lots of us don't have wads of cash lying around. It's at least something that we all consider. I know I did when I was training. It is a huge thing for me. And as a trainee psychologist, I was indeed looking at 80 hours of supervision that I needed to pay for. And that was going to be about 200 bucks, which, yeah, was about $16,000. And then when you look at everything on top of it, you're just thinking, how am I going to pay for all of this? So let's talk about that for a sec. I've got kind of maybe not so unique, but I've got both the tuition aspect, which I had to pay for because I did my master's of psychology at uni for a year. And then I had to go out into the real world and actually pay for a lot of the costs of professional development and supervision all on my own. I'll tell you how I got through it. And then I'll share with you some tips and tricks that I've learned along the way so that you can get through it too. Because when everyone is able to join in and be a mental health professional, it actually allows a greater diversity in our profession. Right now, with the amount that training costs, it probably privileges the wealthy and able, which reduces diversity in our profession. And we don't want that. So I'd love to help you just give a, I'd love to help you have a few hints and tips for how to survive this and not go reeling back from that big dream that you had at the start of being a mental health professional. So back to my experiences, I was totally povo when I started out. I was, I've been on Centrelink for a long time when I was studying my undergrad degree. And then when I did my master's at uni, I was also on Centrelink. So for those who are not Australian, Centrelink is our government payments and Australians, you can get Ausstudy if you are over 25. And I believe you can get another payment youth allowance if you're under 25. So I'd highly recommend applying for that if you're at university as this can significantly assist you because what you're doing when you're studying full-time is that you don't have much time or even the mental energy for other work, for paid income. And you still got to pay the rent and actually pay for everything else in your life. So actually just having that bit of Centrelink on top really helped me. 
there was literally a point during my master's year where I'm like, mm, I'm not sure I can pay my rent. And it was only through the wonders of Centrelink that I managed to get through. That was really good, but I totally was not prepared for all the costs that are associated with training. There is just so much, even clothes. So during my master's, we were required to buy professional clothes. I'm really glad I did. I brought some high quality clothes, but they cost a lot of money. You can get, of course, cheaper clothes. I'm quite grateful that I brought the higher quality ones because they've lasted me for years. So I, that really depends on whether you prefer uh, cheaper clothes that might not last a long time or more expensive clothes, but regardless, it's still a cost. Throughout my master's, I got through just based on the Centrelink, but then after that, that's when it hit me for all these other costs. What I had to do after my master's was I had to look for an internship. I needed hours where I could see people. So as a provisional psychologist, I needed 1,500 hours total to be able to become fully qualified. Now, I was desperate. And this is a really common story. A lot of us are desperate to find where we can work. We just want anything and anyone who will take us. This can tempt us to work for free. Now, let's have a look back at our costs. Remember, you are paying for supervision, professional development, an exam cost, laptop, clothes, transport, assessment instrument, therapy resources. Are you able to do all of that and pay for your rent and other expenses that you have if you are working for free? I would highly, highly, highly recommend that even if you're completely desperate for an internship, do not work for free. For the reasons that it means that you might not be able to afford the things that you need to, put you under financial stress, quickens the pathway to burnout. But the other thing is that working for free opens you up to exploitation because it's kind of bad when you don't pay somebody. So I like to think of it like somebody who would let you work for free for them are they necessarily somebody that you want to get involved in in a long-term way and actually let uh, guide you and mentor you in this, in this profession? I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. But that is one way to get through. Make sure that you are not working for free. I, I was aware of this and so I made sure that I didn't work for free, although I was totally tempted. It took me so long to get an internship, but I'm really glad that I chose not to work for free because believe me, when you are tired and stressed out, Sometimes the only thing that kept me going was being like, okay, I'm getting paid for this <laughs> rather than actually not having income at all. I would have been totally resentful. The next phase of what I went through was as part of my workplace agreement, they actually included the cost of supervision. So I would pay up front for my supervision costs and then they would reimburse me. This turned out to be a complete nightmare because when I wanted to leave early, then I had to pay thousands of dollars back all at once, which you're not actually saving that money. You're not saving the lump sum. So that was a big hit to my bank account when I actually left that workplace. So one of the considerations that you need to make is, am I going to pay upfront for things or am I going to delay the cost? And if I delay the cost, what's the potential consequence for me in the future? I would highly recommend getting advice around this. I wish there was somebody who could have been like, Bronwyn, if you do this, then this would be bad. And you kind of hope your supervisors would be the people to do that, but they're not. And this is why I'm doing the podcast. Okay, so I paid for supervision upfront, got reimbursed. I tried to do as much free professional development as I could, but I tried to find high quality professional development. So I made myself an Excel spreadsheet and I tried to find all the free professional development I can. I'm pretty sure I still have that Excel spreadsheet, so I actually might link to it in the show notes. 
I found heaps of high quality professional development for mental health professionals. The way that there is high quality is because the government will fund certain institutes to develop that training. For instance, there is really high quality eating disorder training online and that is paid by the government and that's through the Inside Out Institute and it's fantastic. One thing that I didn't opt to do and I'm glad that I didn't do this now was that one internship said we'll offer you supervision in exchange for doing admin for us and my gut feeling was like "Mm, I don't want to do that and I've heard stories of other people doing that and it's worked well for them. The only question you need to ask yourself is this, is it mutually beneficial if I do this or is it exploitative of me? You might need to seek other peers to be able to make that judgment. Just ask them about the situation and be like, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. Do you see any gaps or blind spots that I'm not considering? Ethically, supervisors are not meant to exploit you. Same with employers. However, some do. It's important to seek external advice. Another thing I did that helped with the cost of training was actually knowing whether I was getting a good deal or a bad deal. And this was for professional development and for supervision. One of my supervisors they thought that it was standard to charge two fifty an hour for supervision. There, I was their first supervisee and they just thought this was the standard thing. But I knew through actually talking with other provisional psychologists that this was not standard, that was actually quite high. I really wanted to be respectful of the psychologist who was offering me supervision, of course, and not question their fee. However, I think I did bring it up quite gently with them and just informing them, like, just so you know, this is actually not the norm. But then I actually switched supervisors just because of the cost. I didn't want to disrespect them by being like, can you lower my fee? And I'd let them know, but there was no change and that's okay. So it's worthwhile knowing what the general range is of supervision. And you can ask your peers this. You can also ask Facebook groups or any other source of information that you have where you can just know what the general going rate is. Same for professional development. You might be aware like it's about 250 per day for professional development, generally for psychologists, maybe for other mental health professionals as well. So you know if you're paying double or triple that, that boy, that's a real expensive training. And is that what I want to invest in? So again, there's kind of this, there's always trade-offs with investing. It's like, is this an investment for the future here? Or how much benefit is this going to get me pretty much? How much bang for my buck? And if you feel like it's not going to be the best use of your money, then if you're trying to get through when you don't have much money to splash, I would advise against that. It was really tough overall getting through my internship with the cost of training. And I only managed to get through it through this careful financial planning and making sure that I was trying to avoid costs as much as possible. I also looked up free therapy resources online. I would ask my colleagues for resources and I would also see if I could borrow assessment instruments. There are ways to cut costs if you're willing to collaborate with others. So that would be one of my tips as well, is make sure that you've got a support network who can ask, does anybody have access to this? Does anybody have a resource on that without you having to pay for it every time? Other than my experiences, here's some things that I've picked up along the way with actually trying to get through and become a mental health professional when you don't have that much money. There are a few things. One is that volunteering at conferences can get you a reduced entry fee. So if you're interested in a conference, email them to see whether they've got a volunteer coordinator and express your interest in the conference. You can also meet a lot of peers and colleagues this way. 
And the same goes with committees. Committees are a great way to get involved in your profession, but they might also have access to free professional development. I would also recommend as soon as you open up the website and you see that tuition fee, you're going to want to start a savings account if you don't already have one specifically to pay for the costs associated with your training and start putting money in there fortnightly. Transfer that baby over. Now with university, so I believe psychology is a kind of unique profession in Australia in this way in that we have a university pathway, but we also have a non-university pathway to actually becoming fully qualified. If you are considering doing the university pathway, you want to find as much as you can Commonwealth supported places. And these are places that have been subsidised by the government, so they are substantially cheaper than the non-Commonwealth supported places or the full fee paying places. Full fee paying placements can be $30,000 around thereabouts all up, whereas the Commonwealth supported places could be $5,000 for the whole year. There are fewer and fewer Commonwealth-supported places being offered, but there are some universities who do do it. So make sure that you do your due diligence and explore, investigate, see what you can find. You might even consider taking out a small loan. You might talk about it with your partner or your parents and see if they can subsidise some of your costs if you're in that situation. Whatever it is that you do, if you really want to be a mental health professional and you've got some wiggle room to be able to consider these problem-solving strategies, then do it. A main thing would be don't exclude yourself from being a mental health professional because you are unsure about finances. If you're unsure, seek advice because there might be a way through it. As I said at the start, we need more diversity in this profession, and that includes financial diversity. We need people from different socioeconomic backgrounds because we are going to see our clientele across a variety of socioeconomic backgrounds. And we want to be able to have people who can relate to them and actually connect with them in that way. Most of all, don't stick your head in the sand around finances. I discussed in an earlier episode that finances is the topic that mental health professionals love to avoid, and it actually puts us at risk of poorer financial health in the future. We're less likely to pay off debts. We're more likely to accumulate debts. We are less likely to seek financial advice, and that's bad. It means that we've got additional stress in our life that we just do not need if we had actually taken our head out the sand and calmly and carefully just planned and laid out all the costs and thought about how we could meet those costs. Overall, boy, is it hard to get through our training with the amount that it costs. It is a lot. It is so much money. And then afterwards, if you chose the university pathway, you're paying back your hex debt. So I totally get you. I empathize with you. It is hard going. You do not have to do it alone. Make sure you seek advice, get support, use your connections, think of interesting ways to lessen some costs and do so whenever you can. It all adds up. See what you can negotiate. I will link to the spreadsheet with free professional development in my show notes. And I would be interested to hear about your experiences with this. How have you gotten through getting through training when you don't have lots of cash to splash about? I have set up my Patreon page specifically for this purpose to discuss episodes. And I'd love for you to join me there. I'm going to be posting the episodes on the Patreon. And Patreon, if you're not aware, it's a way where you can connect with creators. So artists, podcasters, they're all on Patreon. And you can join me there. It's patreon.com slash mental work. And you can join for $2 a month, which I think is pretty good. Okay, that's a wrap. 
Thanks for listening and catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Mental Work, the podcast for early career mental health professionals. If you're loving the show and don't want to miss an episode, press subscribe on your podcast listening app. And if you enjoyed this episode or any of our previous ones, leave us a rating and review on iTunes and Spotify. What topics would you enjoy hearing us talk about on the show? We'd love to hear from you. Email us your suggestions at mentalworkpodcast at gmail.com. Have a good one and see you next time.